All right, hey everybody, welcome to the WTCF podcast. It's me, Charlie, just hanging out at the house. And this week I wanted to go ahead and cover lifting straps, lifting equipment, and some of that other uh, stuff that might be a little bit foreign to people. So hopefully this is something that'll get you feeling a little bit more confident in your movement patterns. And maybe if I play with my hair enough, there it goes, well, maybe it won't look terrible, but whatever, we have more important things to go ahead and work on. So I wanted to go ahead and take some time to recognize a question that was coming up throughout the week or the last month, I should say, of, of grabbing onto a barbell where the knurling is a little bit too much. So the knurling itself is this cut into the the steel itself to provide additional grip and sometimes that grip can be a little bit much where it's just like it rips on your hands a little bit i've actually come to really enjoy that feeling um actually when i go into the gym sometimes and i don't want to train i kind of hold on to the knurling and kind of just let it grind into my hands a little bit it's a technique i learned from dave tate of a of a uh, elite fts and sometimes it really helps me to go ahead and get into that, that groove of, of starting my lift. So um, I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit more about some of the pain that comes along with it. So when people are lifting, they're going to start to get calluses on their hands and then they're considered rather unpleasant. I actually uh, chop mine off when I can or grind them off when I can because sometimes I don't like the feeling of them, but they're perfectly fine. It's part of the lifting process. So I make sure that I train to such a degree that my hands can bear it. But let's just say, you, you know, you're, you're, pulling weight, you're doing this work and your hands just hurt too much or your grip is starting to fail out. That's when this other equipment can become really, really helpful. So for one, using things like workout gloves, that will just protect your hand. All you're really doing in that scenario is you're putting a barrier between the knurling in your hand. So the felt or the leather or the material of your gloves is going to go ahead and get that grip. And then you get to hold on from there perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with using weightlifting gloves if you don't want to have calluses. I don't mind it. I want to go ahead and train a little bit more. I actually end up using straps and stuff because my grip will sometimes be a limiting factor for my ability to pull, whether it be, you know, barbell rows, certain deadlift variations, um, even just kind of gripping onto different machinery, doing a lat pull down or a low row. Sometimes I want to go ahead and use a strap to help my way through it. And I actually found this video online. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, post the video here so you can kind of see it for a second, kind of listen to him. I'll put the words up on the screen so uh, people can see where it came from and we'll go from there. So here's my first little like look at using straps. I think the guy does a fantastic job. So here's that. So I got a few comments asking how to set up and use lifting straps. So here's a really quick tutorial. First, you'll notice that they're exactly the same when you get them with a loop on the top and a straight end on the bottom. And in order to actually arrange them, you need to take the straight end on the bottom, wrap it around on one side and pull it through. Then do the same thing with the other one, except this time wrap it around from the other side. So if you loop the first one from the right, loop the second one from the left. And you should now have two opposite straps, one for each hand. And when you put them on, make sure that the long end of the strap lies in between your index finger and thumb like this on both your left hand and your right. Now, in order to actually use them, first tighten them up so that they're not dangling from your wrist, then start with your non-dominant hand and wrap the long end of the strap underneath the bar and then over your thumb, and use your other hand to pull it down and kind of screw it into the bar to get it as tight as possible. Then do the exact same thing with your other hand. You might need some practice doing it with your fingers, but again, screw it in as tight as possible, and once both hands are locked in, you're ready to go. And this technique applies to pretty much any piece of equipment, whether it's a D-handle or an attachment for the lat pulldown or any sort of rowing machine. Again, it may take some practice to get used to, but I highly recommend trying them out as they will remove grip fatigue as a limiting factor, allowing you to train your back much closer to failure. Now that we've had a better walkthrough of how to properly use lifting straps, my rule of thumb is trace your thumb. So the strap should always be facing towards your thumb and something that he does kind of miss. 
you want to have your skin and then the bar and the strap wrap up and around it. So you don't want to have it this way and then go over. You want it to kind of clasp in between. So as you kind of rev your wrist like a motorcycle, it'll tighten and cinch it up a little bit more. So you'll have a lot more confidence in your ability to hold on. Because basically you're just going to try to hold your hand close instead of actually squeezing the bar. So you're just going to do way less work into your wrist. So if you are practicing your back and trying to get that as strong as you can, sometimes wrists will go ahead and be another big factor in how strong you can lift. Outside of that, we have things like lifting belts. So how people should go ahead and use lifting belts. Uh, I think they can be really helpful, especially if you start to get into a uh, low rep, high intensity setup. I think uh, a lot of belts can be really good for doubles, triples. So like a single rep, a double rep, a triple rep. I wouldn't go ahead and say this is the great thing for hypertrophy. Uh, I remember back in the day when I was a, a member over at like Planet Fitness, there was a guy who would come in and every single exercise this guy would do, he would have a lifting belt on. Every single moment he could, he could be in there doing bicep curls with a, with a belt on. He could be doing step ups with a belt on. And it really came to teach me a lot about not to do that. So belts themselves can create additional uh, inter-abdominal pressure. So again, being able to brace harder, which will protect you more so. However, too much resilient, uh, too much like reliance, that's the right word, too much reliance on a belt will actually start to weaken your core over time. So it's important that we go ahead and have sets where we apply the belt and then we have situations where we don't apply the belt. And I think Squat University does a really good job at that. So let's check out that clip. Lifting belts, a lot of people incorrectly assume wearing it tightly is enough, when in reality it comes down to learning how to brace with it. You see, the first step to any lift is the breath. Imagine a balloon blowing up. The breath creates a ball of pressure that when you stiffen your trunk muscles over the top, creates tremendous stability. The belt is just another layer of muscle that increases stiffness even more, allowing some to produce greater power when lifting. Now, while this can be a very helpful tool for competition, most don't know how to optimize the first two steps. Using the sandwich drill to feel for optimal breathing is a great first step. It's also key to spend a good amount of time learning how to enhance these stability mechanics without a belt under load. Shane, for example, will routinely push his squats and deadlifts without a belt up to 75 or 80% of his one rep max with a belt so that he can optimize his stability, knowing that when he does put a belt back on, he will be able to go even heavier, but only because his fundamentals are in place. So now we spent a little bit of time, you know, learning about how to use a lifting strap and kind of some of the work of what a belt actually does when we go ahead and lift. There's a ton of other equipment that's out there that becomes really, really helpful for novice and intermediate lifters to go ahead and improve. None of these things are absolutely necessary, but I think as you go ahead and build into certain scenarios, they become really, really helpful tools. So another really helpful tool is a hip thrust pad. So you might have seen these before. Some people will use them on their shoulders because it says, you know, the bar hurts their neck. Sometimes the knurling scratches them a little bit. And, you know, people can be made fun of for going ahead and using one of these pads for your shoulders. But I wouldn't turn this down at all because sometimes you get into a set like on a Smith machine where the bar is already in a static state. I just want to get in there and be able to push as long as I can. And sometimes this will get too much pressure on it. So sometimes a pad feels good. There's nothing wrong with it. You might get made fun of, but you're not on the journey with these other people. You're on your own journey. So if you're finding good progress by using it, by all means. But a hip thrust pad is a, a, like a cylinder that goes around the outside of a barbell because the inside of a barbell would be crazy. So it wraps this barbell and then it just basically asks like, 
a glorified rolled up yoga mat. So you're just kind of protecting your hips as you create some of these other movements. I think it can be really helpful. Um, even if you use that uh, hip thrust pad on bench press, especially if your shoulders are bugging you to make sure that you can actually get yourself to tap to your chest as you go ahead and lift up. So again, you might have some difficulties at the very bottom of it. So let's go ahead and get a quick look at a hip thrust pad. So, you know, there's not a single person who doesn't struggle with setups. It's just kind of the law of lifting. It's not graceful. So I'm gonna show you a couple of steps and ways to execute a setup for a hip thrust if all you have is a bench that might be a little too high for you. So ideally when you're sitting and preparing for a hip thrust, you would have a barbell here and your shoulders would already be up against something. So the bottoms of your shoulder blades would be hitting the front of the bench. As you can see for me, because I'm short and don't really have a torso, this is hitting more towards the tops of my shoulders, which is definitely too high, but it's still doable. So if this is you and you have no other option, like most people, this is what you're gonna to wanna to watch to see how to set it up um, maybe a little bit more effectively and efficiently first. So all you're gonna do is sit in the correct position that's comfortable for you. Get the barbell up on your hips where it's gonna be. Make sure it's even on both sides, lift those legs up. Now, I do not have the back of this bench secured. You will want this up against the wall or a squat rack. For the purposes of this video, it's not, because I'm not going to prep. But when you're going heavy and you're getting the setup prepped, make sure something is behind you so it doesn't topple over because that does happen. Now, from here, you're going to get your feet in a good position, lock yourself in, forearms up here, drive into the forearms and lift up into position. From here, you can easily access the barbell with your hands. Feet are just a little out of the shoulder width or play around with a technique or stance feels best for you. Make sure the bottoms of your shoulder blades are up against the bench. And then from here, you can execute your hip thrust like normal. And when you are finished, you want to return the exact same way. Put your forearms on here, balance the barbell on your pelvis and lower. So hip thrust pads, again, she, she went through a really good example of how to kind of set up a little bit different, but there's a pad that's going to go ahead and really protect your hips in that scenario because uh, women have been really trying to push a lot of additional weight. So having a woman do 315 pound like hip thrust isn't insane anymore. Doing 400 pounds isn't insane anymore for women to do, which is really cool. I think that's awesome. Um, moving into the next thing is getting proper footwear. Now, I think we've all seen the uh, fancy shoes that are out there that are considered like cushiony, cloudy, and all this other stuff where it's just they're, they're really, really soft. And that's actually something that we don't want to have while we are, are lifting weights. We want a very, you know, flat platform to work off of. A lot of times people will say things like, you know, I have to wear these inserts because of my arches where it's like, well, instead of actually fixing something within the feet and in the ankles that they're just going to go ahead and put this other insert in. That's not going to go ahead and fix the problem. If anything, it's going to normalize that problem, if not make things worse. So I, I want to be able to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some good shoes and some bad shoes for that one. So I have a few here. All right, let's start off with what people believe to be one of the best weightlifting shoes. Just good old fashioned Converse. Um, these are super, super flat. So there's not a whole lot of bevel to the bottom of them. Um, I think it gives you a ton of surface area. I think these are just fine to lift in doing squats, doing deadlifts. I think these are perfect. These don't make the best cross trainers, right? I wouldn't recommend running marathons in these. Those kind of suck. But again, it's a very hard sole shoe. So none of this is going to give. So I'm not going to have any of this other movement within my feet as I press into the ground. Uh, another good variation is these ones I got from Reebok. I wish I could remember the names of them. So again, I have a little bit of a pitched heel on this one. So the heel is ever so slightly higher. But again, the heel and everything as I push into it is really, really firm. So there's not a lot of like give into the shoe. So you'll see some shoes where you start to squeeze the bottom, the entire bottom gives into them. Those aren't going to be the best for weightlifting. They might be decent cross trainers, but they're not going to be as safe or as good as they could be for things like deadlifts and squats as you really need that firm platform. So something like this is actually terrible for it. So here is a running shoe that I was using for a while. Um, these things have been really, really beat up. 
Um, you can see as I squish the bottom a little bit, there actually is a fair amount of give. You can see I can really squeeze this and make this really, really soft. So as my foot will go ahead and have a chance to move around, it makes a less inviting environment for stability. So if you have like really cushiony shoes, um, and you want to get into weightlifting, I would recommend trying to find yourself the cheapest pair of Converse you can. Um, or if you can really work out something with your gym, you can lift barefoot uh, if you can get away with it. A lot of people say it's unsanitary. Um, I get that because some people's feet are just gross and maybe don't have your gross feet touching. Maybe you just don't have gross things touching other stuff. So uh, nice clean feet always help out. Make sure you're taking care of your feet. But I think it gives us a much better opportunity to create connection between like the three corners of our feet. So whether it be like close to our, like our big toe. So this being able to push down our pinky and our heel and be able to build into that arch by creating the right movement pattern. So I think shoes are incredibly important uh, as you go ahead and think about your lifting. And um, I, I think we can go ahead and move on from there next. The last thing and probably the most important piece of all the lifting gear is to have something to consume water with, whether it be uh, one of these squeezy Gatorade bottles. I don't recommend the ones with a little like tapper on it where you can put a flavor into it because as soon as you squeeze it the entire top pops off of it i've sprayed myself with and basically emptied an entire gatorade on my face um because that product doesn't work the good concept does not work so these ones are fantastic i think you can still find these at a lot of places for like under 10 bucks um you might be able to look out and find more of these online knockoff ones are fine check it for bpa because i think that's some like issue and make sure they can be like dishwasher safe so you can go ahead and get them sanitized the other ones that I really push for are these blender bottles. Again, you can get a bunch of these online um, in bulk for moderately cheap. They're not so bad. Sometimes uh, companies will give them away with their other products. And all we really have in here is a little ball. So this is just a little like ball whisk that's in there to help break up other stuff. So if you are taking things like pre-workout or you're taking BCAs for whatever reason, or you just kind of like the taste of these things. So to make sure if any of the other powders you put into it, We'll go ahead and get distributed you know, properly because sometimes the stuff will clump together. Uh, some products aren't great at that. They'll just clump up in the water and then you just end up with this like slimy thing that kind of floats in your in your water. And I don't think anybody wants that for themselves. So hopefully this has been you know helpful as a, just a brief tutorial and a walkthrough of some of the gear that you might see you know around the gym so you can feel a little bit more comfortable about using lifting straps, you know, using a belt, you know, using a hip pad, and then having a cool way to consume your water. I think these are the most important things to kind of start off with outside of here. I get it. Things get crazier and crazier by including, you know, knee wraps, elbow wraps, uh, voodoo floss, all these other things that can be there. I think that's a, a topic for another day, but I think this is just good enough to go ahead and get you started. So on that note, good luck.